1: Welcome to the Elkshake Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your Blue Collar, do-it-yourself self-guided public land elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. milkshake podcast with me dan the fitness man what's up everybody i hope you're having a great day a great week a great month march is here some of the big bulls are dropping their uh dropping those antlers right off for you to go pick them up um younger bulls most places not quite yet but the big boys they drop pretty early at least in my experience uh maybe you're shed hunting maybe you're getting ready for spring turkey spring bear maybe some tack total archery events or Uh, Some of the other Northwest Mountain Challenge and uh, there's another one I can't remember. Anyways, hopefully you're looking forward to doing something and you're preparing every day in the name of better elk hunting, possibly breaking a sweat, getting reps with your archery equipment, diving deep into e-scouting, watching some videos, learning. So uh, today we're going to do a um, behind-the-scenes Q&A at an elk-shaped camp. I'm actually going to try to do uh, probably... Drop these podcasts periodically from every camp and get you guys some more Q&A because maybe you have some of the same questions these campers do. And so if you're not able to attend an oak Shape camp, maybe you can at least get some nuggets out of that. I want this podcast to be a platform where you can improve your personal development. And it starts with your faith and it moves on down to your family and being a provider and being a leader and living by an example for your family and being intentional Uh, It moves into, you know, your career, making sure yourself that, you know, you're lined up, you're a leader at work, you're working hard, you are productive, and uh, you get your stuff done. You get all your ducks in a row, you are planning your hunts, you're getting the tag allocation, you're playing the draws, you're trying to have home runs, you're trying to hit middle ground and and backup plans and DIY and studying units and draw odds and e-scouting and looking over on X and base map or whatever. So there's always something to do for, when it comes to outcoding 365, and that's that's what we preach. Today, we're going to drop this podcast. It's going to be all q and I want you guys to enjoy. When we're done, I'll give you a couple of discount codes. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, thank you. Uh, these podcasts that we drop are centered around just basically personal development, Motivational, inspirational, educational, and uh, yeah, man, I just appreciate you guys' support. So, without further ado, we're in Texas, Seminole, Texas, Corbin's Archery. We're on day two of Elk Shape Camp, and we're doing QA towards the end of day two. Enjoy. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. We are here live in Texas. What up, Texas? We have a live studio audience. We have Dirk Durham joining me. We are going to go over these guys' Q&A. This is their camp. We have spent most of the day, this is moving day. What does that mean, Dirk? Moving day. We cover...
2: We're not packing boxes in here. (laughs) We're not like, you know, setting up couches, hanging pictures on the wall. We're moving. We're hustling.
1: Hustling all day. So this is the most high-paced day ever. We try to like... First off, get your bow really tuned and doped, swap out some equipment, help you make some better shot execution, show you some shooting under duress drills that are really pretty handy. Uh, shout out to Corbin's Archery. This is literally one of my favorite archery shops I've ever been to. I've been to a lot, by the way. It's just these guys would really help. I mean, they have two hooter shooters. Do you know what ho- ho- knew? Who, who,
2: kno- no. who knew? Who knew? (laughs) Who has that many Hooter shooters?
1: I've never. Yeah. One. One. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe.
2: That's a big maybe.
1: Pretty cool. And then lots of bugling with Dirk today, going over the vocalizations and the sounds. And we got to watch that really neat video. See, I love you, Dusty. But we got to watch Dusty kind of screw things up a little bit. Yeah, we kind of threw Dusty under the bus today. No, he's He's so cool cool, that you can't. It's. It is what it is. And then shout out to his son. That's actually pretty good footage for a 15 year old or 16 year old Easton. Yeah. He, yeah. He cool. nailed it. He nailed it tomorrow. We'll be doing some nutrition, some fitness, some more e-scouting, uh, some more elk instructionals. We'll hand out some prizes tomorrow's. Um, I don't feel like tomorrow's moving day. I feel like tomorrow's uh, where I expose the truth and you'll see what I mean about that. But today right now is your guys's floor. If you have a question, and you want to answer, we'll just call on you and you're gonna have a seat right here. And we're gonna do our best to answer your unanswered questions up to this point. We're over halfway through Oak Shape Camp. Let's go. Who's got the first one? This is Michael. Where are you from in Texas? Michael Wardrop. I uh, live
3: in Houston, Texas.
1: Okay, and you shoot an older Matthews that I like. What is it? Matthew Z7. That's a sweet looking bow. Okay, you. and you did really well at the shooting address today, except for that last one. You want that last one back? Well, yeah. We Remind won't talk it. about Remind it. it. Yeah. We won't talk. Did about he have that. to sign the wall? Uh, the 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 floor. Oh, the floor. I, need floor. <laughs> I need a silver marker. Sorry. <laughs> I need
3: a silver marker for the black.
1: Anyway, sorry, Corbin.
3: What do you got, brother? Um, I, have, I mean, I got a couple of questions, but uh, on the video, I was just marking some questions down. And I know in particular in like the hang-up situations. Right. Is there, a, is there a, a time limit in your head to those where you make a move or is it a feel thing um, where you, you know, kind of need to, to push or to pull back? Is it, a, is it a strictly feel or is it kind of a time thing?
2: I run with my gut a lot and I feel like my gut is just basically years and years and years of doing this. Um, if I try to overanalyze and try to move off analytics and be like, oh, it's been this or that a lot of times I make the wrong move at the wrong time. But I will say, um, if we've had a stalemate for a little bit, let's say that bull hasn't moved. Um, maybe I haven't heard him for a while. You know, that bull, he didn't bugle a lot in the video. And if I haven't heard him bugle for five, six, eight minutes, and I haven't heard like any crunching around or messing around over there, it's time to go. Uh, typically on a on a on a call in, a lot of times when the bull is bugling a lot, if if we set up and start calling, and if he doesn't come our way within two or three bugles, which is going to take about three to five minutes, if he doesn't come in our way, we're heading to him, okay. and we're going to close that gap. Um, and it's it's aggressive, it's aggressive bow hunting. Um, some people. I think, I feel like one of the one of the biggest problems and the biggest hangups for people are, they're like, oh my God, this is like my only chance. This might be my only opportunity to call in a bull. This, this is the only bull I've heard this year. I can't screw it up. So they play it safe, super safe. Like, I don't want to advance too quickly. I don't want to do this. But a lot of times people kind of stay back out of the side, on the sidelines a little bit instead of just jumping right in and the bull loses interest and then he just kinda of moves on. We kept on jumping right in the middle of that bullshit all morning, just trying to, he wasn't really aggressive, but I wanted him to get aggressive. I wanted to challenge him, I wanted to move up, especially once we found out he had cows. I'm like, I wanna spook them cows one way or another, that way he'll get mad and kinda of try to come and head them off or find them. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of a, a feeling of the situation.
1: Also with hangup spots, it's really about the topography. like that hang up spot predictability in that thick stuff is fairly predictable. He can only see so far uh, more open country elk is like really kind of tricky. Like, okay, cause elk are so visual. I really need that to be a takeaway is that they can hear what stick you break on. They have sonar, they drop a pin where you're at and then they know where to go stand to see what they should see and they don't. And that's when they hang up. That's when they peace out. And so it's really understanding what the terrain topography is and where you need to be once you make that last sound or you do that last raking sequence. I'm just thinking from a solo elk hunter perspective. I gotta be the caller, make that sound, get that him to drop a pin there, and then I gotta go. Okay, he's gonna take a peek off right. He's gonna come over that crest. He should see what he needs to see. I gotta and obviously, meanwhile, I gotta figure out what the wind's doing too, right? Like it's hard. It's it's awesome, but it's a, it's it's probably more chess than checkers. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say was, oh, you had it. Um, anyways, I forgot. But I was gonna answer something else that you mentioned. Well, forget it. What else you got? Yeah. You one other one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess kind of right under that was
3: on when you put them to bed, mm-hmm. is yep. there a time frame you let that chill? Is there like a kind of a before you go after them again, any you know, hour, two hours, three, is there sort of.
2: So I have kind of the rule of thumb, I call it midday madness. And that is 12 o'clock to one o'clock that little period of time. That is like the golden time, 12 to one. Now it'll go, Either or you know it, it could be at eleven, it could be two o'clock, but I feel like the best prime time is at twelve to one, and I, especially on a full moon time. If you got a full moon at night, everybody's like, oh god, I don't want to hunt that dreaded full moon time. But those elk seem to go to bed pretty early on a full moon period. So instead of going to bed at ten o'clock, they're going to bed at eight o'clock. They're they're hustling in the early morning light, they're getting up to their spot and they're gonna be laying down at eight o'clock, let's say, especially if it's warm out. Eight o'clock till noon, that's a long time versus 10 o'clock till noon. By by noon on a full moon period, that bull's been laying around for a long time. He's aggravated. He's got one thing on his mind. These ladies, they're napping still. None of them, maybe none of them are quite right. You know, it's not time to breed yet. So he's gonna get up. He's gonna rake his horns a bit. He's gonna go sniff around. Maybe he's gonna sneak over to a wallow that's close by. But if I can get close to that bedding area within a hundred yards or so of that bull in the middle of the day, like that 12 to one o'clock and get him to vocalize, I can usually piss him off enough to where he'll come in and wanna fight. And he's he's, 90% of the time he's not gonna chase his cows off because they're already laying there. He knows they're not going anywhere. All he has to do is come and run me off. That's gonna be way easier than gathering everybody up and then getting the heck out of Dodge, so. All
1: right, who's got the next question? Thanks, yes. Ruben, Ruben, and then on. we'll go to you. By the way, Ruben, I was stoked to meet you. He's he's a great little supporter of all the oak-shaped stuff. I see you, man, so good to finally like meet you face-to-face, man.
4: Yeah, good to meet you guys as well, and uh, thank you guys for everything that you guys are doing for us. <clears throat> I got a question here, and this might be a little bit of a touchy subject. Let's uh, do it, because For two years, I think this is my third year, but for two years, I was trying to get uh, going on an elk hunt. First year, I met some guys and they kind of left me off the loop and I lost interest. Second year, I had a partner, he backed out. This past year, I was lucky enough to have a good friend that invited me on a rifle hunt. It wasn't an uh, archery hunt, ended up going and the guys were really really good and, and I learned a lot. So you talked earlier about uh, attitude and effort and mm-hmm. partners, okay. Yeah. Um, when do you know that this person, as far as their attitude and effort, are gonna match what you have? Like what do you go through as far as like during the year? Cause like right now what we do is we'll text each other or call each other up and hey man, I just crushed this workout. Uh, what did you do today? I like uh, that, if, yeah. Uh, I did some new scouting today.
1: Well, I, I mean, I'll have Dirk answer this more because he's, he's gone through some different things that I haven't, but there's a reason why I hunt solo. And it's because if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Not you, not us. No powwows on the mountain. I'm gonna worry about if you get hurt, if you can keep up, if uh, you think the bull's over here, but I think he's over there. I've already gone through this on this spot. I like hunting solo because my decisions are faster And the only time I don't like hunting solo is when I kill an elk and i got to get it out of there. It's really hard. I'm not kidding. That's really tough. Um, But this year I had a cameraman and I kind of treated him like a hunting partner. His name is Jake Webb. And I met him at an elk shape camp, believe it or not. And then he just kind of kept pestering me all the time. Hey, can I work out with you? Can I work out with you? Hey, do you want to go shoot? And he just kept on bugging me all the time. And I finally was like, yeah, dude, fine. Come over, work out with me. And I really enjoyed his company. And he... Never complained and he had great attitude. And then he was we went and shot and like first couple times I kind of smoked him pretty good at Archery. But he, he I'd see him post on Instagram, he was like going and getting more reps after reps with me and getting better and better. And now he's pretty good at cross training, crossfit, and shooting his bow. He even worked at an archery shop now. And like he has proven his actions are louder than his words. And I feel like your hunting partner has to have the actions. Like they have to walk the walk, right? Not talk it. And that means like dedicated and pushing you and driving you. And then honestly, the elk hunting woods is a litmus test. Don't be surprised if maybe you were fooled and somebody backed out or somebody got homesick or girlfriend sick or had a shitty attitude all of a sudden. And so, be real, I mean, I think it's almost, I treat a hunting partner up there with not all up there of the spouse, but up there. It's really hard to find a good hunting partner. and no one better to talk about that than Durham.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had lots of different hunting partners over the years, and uh, I've had some really great ones and some really crappy ones. Um, and, there's, and the one thing is, um, just because we don't see eye to eye maybe hunting, I still love them as my, as my brothers, you know, my, my buddies. But uh, sometimes you just can't hunt with them. You know, some guys, they don't want to put in that effort. Maybe they want to give up early, go back to camp, have a beer, and take a nap in the middle of the day. Maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I want to go hunting um, and maximize my time there. I want to hunt all day, get up, and I won't see camp again until two hours after dark. Um, and you kind of figure that out. I have always said it, uh, it takes a special person to be able to sp- Spend time with that person in the backcountry for 10, 10 days or longer, and still like them when you're over with. You know, that 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 means they're somebody that's really good. So, and those people are kind of hard hard to find. But I will say this: I wouldn't let ha- not having a hunting partner um, keep you from going elk hunting. Um, I've had times where uh, guys have made plans, and they're like, "Yeah, we're coming. I got I've got I've got a week off. I'm gonna be there." and then they don't show up. Or maybe they show up for a day or two and then they're like gone. It's like, well, I'm gonna keep hunting. So I feel like it might be time to double down on yourself and figure out a way for you to go, for Reuben to go elk hunting and go do those things. And somewhere along the, the way, you're gonna find somebody that has that same priority uh, for elk hunting like you do and you're not going to have to amp them up or psych them up or get them like hey man let's let's that's a bull bugling down there let's go after him your friend's going to look at you and say oh man let's go out you know you or you won't even have to say nothing you'll just look at each other and, and take off and that's the kind of hunting partner partner you're looking for somebody that wants you to succeed more than they want themselves to succeed and i think that's that? that's that's the secret that's sauce the secret you know sauce. finding someone who's selfless and that's not that's not easy um but when you do that then that's when you find true success because you're both are pulling for each other so hard that there's no no egos there's none of this ruben set up as the shooter and then the guy that's supposed to be calling pretty soon he sneaks up and is taking the shot i mean there's all sorts of terrible weird slanted ways you know hunters get sideways with their partner but uh In the end, I think you'll find somebody out there that's that's good that in the same way that you like to hunt with the same priorities you have. Um, But I wouldn't I would immediately anybody that's like not have this that does not have the same mindset as you for hunting. I would immediately cut them out of your life, your hunting life. You don't need that
1: negativity. (laughs) And dude, look around like there's certainly somebody here in your same boat who like needs a partner and paid good money to be here and are just as interested as you. So, and we've done another camp in Texas last year and I can give you the list of those guys. We will add all of you people to, I know it's Facebook, but we have a private Facebook group for this group camp and that's where you should be networking. Um, all right, let's do another question. Come on up. Jimmy, the first aid man. Great job today on that first aid presentation. That blew Honestly, my mind.
2: Thank you so much. No, really thank good. You guys. Everybody talks awesome. about, Oh God, you have to have a first aid kit but nobody really tells you the good stuff. Well, I got some Band-Aids and some Benadryl in there and some super glue. I mean, what am I going to do with that? No, that was excellent. I, I really appreciate oh, that.
5: Thank you very much. Thank you. So my question is, is you know, I, I come from Wisconsin, so big in whitetail hunting where scent control is everything. Where does this, where does scent control fit into your guys' regimen in the elk woods? Is it up, down?
2: Um. Play the wind okay we got to play the wind yeah. yeah all those carbon suits all those fancy Brush magical suits things. all the spray shit you spray on yourself
1: uh but elk sprays too yeah elk yes. urine I used to i'm i out i'm not
2: using it um we're playing the wind there's no there's no amount of soap
1: that's a great segue i i have been meaning to say this the whole time to you guys and i have forgot to yell at all of you so i'm going to yell at you real quick you're not whitetail hunting when you're elk hunting Now i'll say it but probably half of you are going to try to whitetail. You haven't elk hunted yet, or you haven't been in the elk woods, or you have one season, you still think you're whitetail hunting. You're still trying to sneak around. The only time you sneak that I can think of in all those things is if you're trying to get to the, quote, hang-up spot, and you don't want to break a little twig or branch, because they'll hear that. That's the only time I can think of that you'd ever, or you're The maybe, last
2: hundred yards, yeah.
1: Yeah, Or Or if I'm sneaking in on a bull, you know, and he's bugling on his own and doing that. But when we're doing, like, we're with the elk, you're an elk. You would be shocked. I even took some guys from Washington, some friends that live in my town, and they're they're hunters, but they've only really whitetail hunted, and I was their caller. They were, John, like, we had bulls screaming, and they are trying to slip in, tiptoe, and it's, that's. You, you. I mean, Dirk's a big dude, and I imagine you're probably pretty loud in the woods. Sure, you can be quiet when you want, but truthfully, sound and scent, scent is only when the wind is in your face. Like, that's the only way, there's no other way to get around it. And then loudness, don't try to sneak in on elk. They're not whitetail, and eventually you'll learn that. But I'd like to warn you today, some of you are gonna still try to hunt them like whitetail. It's a different species, different animal. They're not very, there's just,
2: yeah. Yeah, and especially if you're backpack hunting, you're going in for three day uh, trips or whatever, there's no amount of spray or no amount of clothes you're going to be able to carry that's going to keep you from stinking. You're going to stink. And your partner is going to be like, dude. Especially you if it's Bynum. Be- Can yeah. you imagine him? Oh, Bynum. Yeah, he's a ginger. They stink extra bad. <laughs> 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 I love you. Just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what else you got? So
5: the other question I have is on calling, does the type of the, the time of year dictate the, the amount of like cow calling versus bugling that you'll do, like if it's early in the mm-hmm. rut or later in the season, does that change your approach at all?
2: Um, Not, not especially. I, I kind of play that same playbook on opening day, clear to the end, because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm experimenting, I'm just trying to figure out what is going to trip this bull's trigger. Maybe he likes some cow calls. If he's liking the cow calls, I'm going to feed him cow calls. If he's liking bugles, I'm going to feed him bugles. It's weird, you know, like that early season, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, no, early season, you just got to cow talk them in. Just cow talk them in. But I'll tell you, last year opening week of Idaho, um, bulls didn't give one crap about cow calls. They would bugle to my bugle, and that would be it um, 90% of the time. So, um, but that didn't mean I didn't give them some cow calls. I wanted to make sure they knew that if they come down to fight, there's going to be some spoils, right? If yeah, they win, right. so I still keep some cow talk going on in there, and uh, but I'm going to try to appeal to their to their
0: urge to fight.
5: Okay. And last, uh, last question I have as a follow-up to that: When you were as a as the caller, how far you know is it going to? You're going to be away from the shooter, and mm-hmm. do you get closer as you get? Towards when the ha- where the hang up spot is, or how do you, or does terrain play in, into the-
2: It's all ter- all terrain, you know, brush, trees, uh, landscape as far as uh, uh, terrain features. Um, I want to make sure I'm within eye contact of my shooter. Ninety um, percent of the time, there on on the video we video we watched when we finally set up at the bedding area to get that bull out, I lost contact with Dusty. I'm like, I'm gonna let him get way up there. And I'm going to call that bull in and let it. He'll never know what hit him. But uh, I probably should have maintained that contact because I might have said, "Dusty, move down the hill a little bit," or, or he might have said, "Dirk, you go this way." You know, we would have communicated a little bit better. But I'd like—I really like to keep my 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 shooter within eye distance, which typically is 50 yards or less. Um, and in that really, really thick, nasty stuff, I was right side by side with Dusty because. In that thick stuff, um, it can kind of go south. It, it's you kind of lose sight of each other pretty quickly, and a lot of times you can't give them the illusion. I mean, it's so brushy, the shooter can't sneak up. It's just like you're pounding brush and making a bunch of noise. So there's no really advantageous like uh, element of surprise by the shooter. You're both making a ton of noise. So we just usually stay real close together until you can kind of until the woods kind of open up a little okay. bit.
1: I think I've. I called in quite a few bulls for my dad not all of his bulls i've called in for him he's made a couple of cool stealthy stocks but for the most part we've worked together in north idaho quite a bit growing up and uh i was his caller i've i've seen every bull that i've called in for him get shot i've never been like well what happened like i like to see what you know what the bull's doing if i need a zig or zag and i think a lot of people think that you got to do these real far apart setups and uh, i don't know i just never really thought that was that that worked very well and maybe a
2: real wide open country you know you know when the hang up spots 100 yards yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe so um but and also another another thing you might we might talk about too is if let's say you're an experienced caller but you're hunting some with somebody new whether it's a kid or it's your buddy that's just never hunted elk in first year don't really know the ropes but you kind of do yeah don't don't be out of his back pocket. You put him in your front pocket and almost steer him around, and you stay with him, like, right next to each other. That way you can coach him along. Okay. It's a lot better to be able to coach him along and help him with, through the shot than to be back 30, 50, 60 yards and not have that communication to where he gets up there and kind of gets overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do.
0: Never been elk hunting. Glad to be here. Learned a lot. You talk to him I have a lot of friends at elk hunt, right? Yeah. talk to them, they're like, man, man, I went out there. I was there for eight, ten days, and they were quiet.
4: I didn't hear anything. Whether they're
0: not an elk or they were just quiet. So you get in that situation, you're on your first elk hunt, and it's three, four days in, you haven't heard one bugle.
1: What do you do? I ain't scared. I ain't scared at all. We've talked about this whole camp, that whole screen time. I'm not a guy that sets a camp up yeah. and hangs out. You know what I mean? Like we are on a mission to find elk. And I case in point last year, I went to all brand new, never stepped foot in units, three different states. We got into elk almost every day. And it's because we do certain things differently. Like me and Dirk hanging out in the truck in the evening, doing what we talked about. Like that is a game changer. If you guys are wondering what I'm talking about, I'm not going to tell you, that's an elk shaped camp secret only, but that's a, that's a huge one because we're going to get ears. We're going to figure that out. And then we looked at that map and we figured out, okay, all right, man, Dirk, I don't really feel like spike camping for three days. How much country can we cover and how fast can we cover it? Let's figure out that route. So we just look at it differently than most people we are. I am, I can't speak for Dirk. I am a mobile, gypsy elk hunter. I am on the fly and I am looking to find the most cooperative elk. Sometimes you're just trying to find elk, I get that. But when you can find elk a little bit everywhere, then I'm looking for the hottest bulls. Which really means, where are the hottest cows? And that's where you're gonna find me. Cause I need elk to talk to kill elk. That is a fact, like for the most part, I need elk to talk to kill elk. All right, Dirk, what are your thoughts on the matter?
2: Well, my first question to your friend would be, where did you hunt? did you keep pounding the same ground for four straight days? Yeah, man, we packed in four miles. Or man, we had a nice camp and we hunted the same basin for four days straight. There was elk tracks there from a day or two old, but we didn't hear a peep. People fall in love with a hunting spot. They fall in love and it's a trap because after you, if you don't pay attention after three, four days, you can hunt and not hear an elk, you should have figured it out on the first day. And And they're nomadic, man. They They
1: are are such such a nomadic nomadic creature. Yeah,
2: Yeah. you don't know what happened yesterday. Maybe a big herd bull swooped in from the other side of the mountain, scooped up all the cows, kicked all the Five Points asses, and took all the cows somewhere else. Maybe Doug Flutie and friends were up there and blew them out of the country. You don't know. If there was a lot of beer cans around, you probably was Doug Flutie and his brother Dick. Dick's an alcoholic. (laughs)
4: It's just, you know, when I talk to him, That's that's the most thing I hear. Now, maybe I can understand, well, you stayed in the same spot. Right. But when you talk to, when I talk to people that have been on elk hunts, I hear that all the time. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I wanted to ask.
1: That's why, like, one of my scariest thoughts for you guys, being so close to, like, Colorado's, there's a lot of drop camp opportunities. That's, like, scares the crap out of me. Be dropped, go horseback really deep, and then be dropped off, and that's where you have to hunt. Elk or nomadic, what if they're not there? What if the guys prior week scared them? What if You know, some herd bull came and scooped up. Like I gotta be so mobile to find out, and I need. I don't. I'm not as good as Dirk, so I need to be into elk every day to up my chances. Okay, I'm not an OG.
2: So my basic answer is, you have to go there with plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and and, yeah, all the way through Z. Is is if if it takes. Yeah, man. If it takes hunting the whole entire unit that you have a tag for, so be it. I'm gonna do it. Yep. If I have to, but I hope I don't have to hopefully on like B or C. I find some help <laughs>
1: And I right. think that's the most important thing that I mean is just to stay mobile like you like you, Your buddies are probably not They're probably getting frustrated um, You know and it's If you're hunting with a squad Like I like divide and conquer like if Dirk and I showed up. Let's say us three. We're all on a hunt together I don't need to go around and have Dirk Bugle and hear what he hears. I will go do my own bugling over there and I'm gonna send you over there and we're gonna meet back and then we can hunt as a team, maybe do whatever we need to do, but let's divide and conquer and figure this out.
2: That's exactly what we did in New Mexico last fall. Is it? Yep. We were having a hard time all together, me, Phelps, and John Gabriel. We decided, all right, me and Dusty, we're going to the opposite side of the, of the mountain you guys kind of run around up here. We're going to go over here until we find hot ruddy bulls. And it took like f- a few days, a few days, but finally we found them. And then we all gathered back together, went back in there and we killed.
0: That's
1: awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously we I like drought stuff is stuff I don't know a lot about. Like I live in Washington. I live, I hunt Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, um, New Mexico doesn't give me tags. Arizona, hardly ever. So elk drink water every 24 hours. Pretty much write that down. Like I'm sure there's exceptions. Maybe Chris Rowe would argue with me, but like I think elk need water every 24 hours. Elk are all about water. So if there is no water, then go find where that water is. Did you guys do that?
3: We, the day before the snowstorm came in, uh, we found the water I'm talking about. Okay. was he there sign there? there? Oh, tons there was, we, we had seen an elk in the bottom. Right. moved up, and then, of course, that next day, we decided to make it. We didn't want to follow them up that, that morning because we knew that we, where they crossed over in the private. Okay. And we weren't sure how we were going to get to them, how spooking them, so we knew where they were going. So the next morning, we went up to the top. We found the water in the, in the top of the basin, and there was about five or six water at the top. Nice. And that actually my buddy, we missed a big six by six in there. But, so you guys was, got into them? So, we got into them, we yeah. got into them twice. But there was two or three days in there where it was like we couldn't find elk.
1: Well, those we, drought years are gonna definitely affect the elk's behavior. Indeed. But I only hear a lot of drought talk by like people that kind of like quote trophy hunters, like they're looking for like size of antlers and it's a drought year and, and this year was a drought year. A lot of antlers got broke off and stuff like that. Elk need water, find water. Elk don't want to be messed with. Find cover, find north facing. Like, I think you just gotta keep it simple, stupid. Don't like try to complicate it with like, it's a drought year, it's a, it's a what's that called? When it's, it's a leap year and the moon's like, I don't just, I don't buy into all, all that stuff. Do you?
2: Uh, I have a theory.
1: Okay, let's hear that.
2: Here's my theory. And so North Idaho, we get dry years, we get wet years. I feel like on the dry years, we have a hot, dry summer. There hasn't been much rain. I feel like your elk are gonna be concentrated in the bottoms, closer to feed, closer to water. And they're not gonna be spread out all over the mountains. When you find the elk, you're gonna find most of the elk. There'll be better pockets of elk. When it's a wet year, they spread, they, the elk are dispersed because there's good feed up high, there's good feed up low. They're gonna find water all over those different places. To me, a wet year is really sometimes Pretty hard to find out because they're not balled up in these little groups and you don't get such good in rutting action. They just may not bugle as much. So, one thing I might say though is you got to keep going back. That's we talk about investing in keeping and going back, getting your reps in every year, making sure you have that over-the-counter type tag. That way you go to your area, you learn the area. It's like, well, I remember a couple years ago it was dry there's that basin up high where all those wallows were let's go try that again oh boom yeah there they are and over the years you'll probably find some more little places like that where they elk tend to uh congregate on it whenever there's not as much water um so you have to play all those kind of scenarios through your head but but like i've said a lot you know it, not every year's a 10 you know we get a lot of fives and uh every now and then a 10 will come along but um just putting putting those things down you know guys will keep notes in a journal and talk about you know specifics of what drainage is where they heard bugles where they saw elk where they saw a sign and then they start compiling that stuff and over the years you, you start seeing patterns so
1: that's a good quick really good question chase i mean water is life for elk, mm-hmm. you know and some of you guys that hunt these drier climates can hunt over water I mean, I might know a guy who hunted water last year and he didn't want to, but he did. Because sometimes as a hunter, you gotta do whatever it takes. You know what I mean? And if they're not screaming and there's not a lot of water, maybe you should set water. I mean, I'm not too good to sit water. So, you know, just be, have all the tools in your bag and be able to implement them. Certainly use it to your advantage to find these out concentrations. Like Dirk said, I think that was really pretty, pretty damn insightful.
3: Well, and then also the other thing is, Thermals playing a you know play a big role. Right. Obviously, being from Black Country, we don't understand it as well as some of the guys in the mountain terrain. But you know, obviously, it's up and down. But at what point are you moving from the bottom to the top, or that two-thirds area? Mm-hmm. Because say you see elk in the bottom of the valley, you know they're going up the bed. And so you can't just take off, you know, nine o'clock in the morning up, and then you know your thermals are going to start traveling up. How do you how do you play that? Should you be up there early waiting on them? I mean, because the thermals are coming down in the morning. So how do you do it without blowing them out?
2: Um, first off, I'm just gonna locate where they're at with a bugle. If I hear them bugling, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play the wind off of that and what time of day it is. Let's say at first thing in the morning I hear bulls up above me and I say, okay, what slope are we, or what slope are we on? Are we on a western facing slope or are we on an eastern facing slope? Western facing slope, the sun's not gonna come over and peak and hit on it till later in the morning, till probably 10 o'clock-ish. East facing slope, like at 7.30, 8 o'clock, it's gonna start getting some sun on those hillsides and the thermals are gonna start rising. So, <clears throat> if I'm on a on a uh, western facing slope and I got a bull bugling up there and it's first thing in the morning, I'm gonna go right after them. And I'm gonna climb, 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 and chase, 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 and then it's like it starts getting close to a like, oh man, that sun's starting to come over. I'm gonna do, I'm either gonna lag behind and let those elk kind of get up there towards their bed wherever they're gonna be. I might even branch off and kind of go over here, wait in the wings a little bit. Um, if I'm starting the top of the canyon, it's the same story. I'm just gonna, let's say I'm top of the canyon and you've got all these thermals going down first thing in the morning, bull's over here. I'm gonna drop, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pinpoint where he's at, then I'm gonna drop quick as I can, as long as I'm not in his thermal line or right in his scent line, I'm going to drop down, get on his level, and then start making my way to him.
3: So you kind of get around and then come
2: back in? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. If you have, sometimes, you know, depending on winds and, and how things are, sometimes we'll make a half mile loop way out of the way up around a different ridge to come over and connect to where it's going to work. It's, it takes so much more effort, but that's the amount of effort you have to play the wind for. So... Um, you just can't you just can't take it for granted and then sometimes that stuff just it don't matter it blows this way for a while blows this way for a while you got those huge puffy clouds coming over and it casts these big shadows on the hillside and all of a sudden your winds start swirling and blowing downhill in the middle of the day and then the cloud disappears 15 minutes later and then it gets hot and then the winds go up the hill
1: it's crazy what a puffy cloud can do you never would have thought that until you experienced it it's really not, Not cool. Colorado's horrible for that. The storms were coming in last year, at least mm-hmm. it went nuts. That yeah, day. yeah, it was crazy. That's pretty typical. But well guys, like what we want to do is maybe just have you guys shout out real quick. You can hang out here for a second if you want. Like, let's distill today now to like a couple keywords, key words, like your takeaways, your aha moments, where we talked about the very beginning of camp, like we want to identify your areas of weakness and get them flipped to where they're they're a strength of yours. So um, I'll pick on y'all. Casey, what's one thing that kind of sticks out right now in your mind? All right, guys. So you got a little portion of our Q&A. We usually do Q&A for about two hours, uh, if it takes that long. And this one did, but um, I wanted to give you little snippets. Hopefully you learned something, got some nuggets from it. That was uh, Mr. Dirk Durham helped me out with Q&A love that guy and uh, yeah so let's give you some discount codes real quick first thing is we talked about tag allocation so if you're doing research on blue chip areas uh, trophy potentials uh, hunting pressure how many hunters per square mile per hundred square mile uh, number of tags allocated draw odds things like that you should probably check out tag hub from Eastman's the discount code is elk 15. And that'll get 15% off. That's kind of what I've been using for the last couple months. I've been really stoked on it. It's got a little bit of a learning curve to it. But if you like spreadsheets and numbers, this is for you. So it's kind of for those if you want to geek out. They also do a really bang up job overviewing every state's draw process. Elk Collective is, the, in my opinion, the best digital resource out there for elk education. So if you can't make it to an elk shape camp. Um, a lot of our content from Elk Shaped Camps live and breathe at the com. Plus, we interview other successful elk hunters and learn how they approach elk hunting. And uh, we cover not just archery, but rifle, muzzleloader, etc. Discount code is Elk Shape Podcast. All one word. $25 off. Numa, we got our YouTube video out, kind of breaking down some of their gear. We got some new gear coming out in April. I can't wait to test Discount code is ELKSHAPE20, and that'll get you 20% off NUMA Outdoors. Link in the show notes. Back to e-bikes. Discount code is ELKSHAPE300. Knock $300 off an e-bike purchase. Make sure you pick up two batteries. That uh, $300 will save you enough to probably almost pay for a second battery, which I highly recommend because you never want to be without a battery. And speaking of batteries, those things will last you a long time. Um, I usually can use a battery um An entire day. Obviously, I'm pedaling. I'm not just throttling. And make sure you use your e-bikes where legal. Black Ovis is back in 2021. 10% off. Discount code: ElkShape. They have everything under the sun. Um, Some exclusions apply, but for most of the stuff, they got you covered. So check that out. Stowaway Gourmet freeze-dried food. Discount code: Elk10. 10% off. Northwest Retention Systems. Get the Scout. Use discount code: ElkShape. No shipping and handling. 10% off. Five-day lead time. Wilderness Athlete. Uh, The supplements of choice, Elk Shape 30, will get you 30% off your first purchase. Make it a good one. Vortex wear, clothing, lifestyle, scouting, training, all those things. That's what I've been rocking. Elk Shape is the discount code, and that'll get you 20% off. You'll be fit for anywhere. Appreciate you guys' support. You have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts. Thanks for choosing us. We'll catch you on the next one. Oh, and remember, separation is in the preparation.